following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K State athletics. It's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN. Now, hear me out for just a moment. I know Kansas City was shut out for the fifth time this season today. Ugh. I know they had 14 strikeouts at the plate. But here's the deal. They left 12 men on base. Brutal. They had nine hits. I don't know. I mean, to me, it kind of feels like an improvement. It feels like this Alec Zumwalt guy has, has something going here. Now, if they can just figure out not to strike out at the plate every inning and they can figure out after getting guys on, how to bring them home, you know, bring them all the way around the bases and yeah. score some runs. I don't know. You might have a team all of a sudden. I, I'm just I'm, I'm just appalled. I, it, it, I mean, the Royals had a base runner in every inning except one. And did nothing. Twice had runners at third base and did nothing. One at third with, no, with one out, Merrifield. Back early in the ballgame. And then the bases freaking loaded in the seventh with nobody out. And they went all Royals on us. Whit Merrifield got on base twice today. He didn't strike out. He had a walk in there. Nicky Lopez got on base every time. He he had three hits and a walk. And yet there's not a single run on the board. Oh, Salvador Perez, he sprained his thumb. So is this going to be now the, you know, what are we going to do now? Carlos Santana had to come in. Glove hand, though. Look at it that way. It's his glove hand rather than his throwing hand. But still. You know baseball players are splinter and they're out 10 days. Uh, We're talking Sal, though. Perez doesn't want to sit on the bench. Yeah, he didn't fall down the stairs, did he? No. 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 So hopefully he won't be out. Uh, I mean, t- for the game two of the doubleheader. I They'll mean, probably you, sit him. Uh, yeah. And they probably would have preferred to go ahead and set him for game one of the doubleheader, honestly. But uh, went ahead and utilized him as a DH because he fights so hard to be in there. I mean, Jonathan Heasley making his fifth career start. He had three last year. It's his second this year. I mean, he goes five innings, allows three runs. You know, you're just short of a quality start. But you got, I thought, some pretty good stuff out of him. And then, you know, the bullpen, four scoreless innings. Bullpen was solid today. Bullpen did its job. Yoel Piams continues to show that he's got uh, the ability to stick with this team for a while. But uh, this, this offense disgusts me so much right now. And, and yesterday, I mean, how would you think about, what did you think about Johnny Cueto? You know, uh, did he have his good stuff yesterday? Oh, he had his good stuff. Yeah, his good stuff. Well, did the Royals make him look like he had the good stuff? Also true. It's unreal. I tweeted out. I don't know if you saw it. Someone uh, had had sent out today uh, on Twitter. They had broken down film where it's three different pitches that he's throwing, but they have his mechanics. And it really is amazing for all of the talk about how he can do so many different things mechanically and how he throws the ball. If you really break it down, he actually does a lot of the same things on every pitch. It's just that he is able to disguise it so well with all of the other things that he does. Well, guys, we're short today. 
Uh, we have K State baseball coming up at five thirty, and they're at they're in Blacksburg, Virginia, to take on number three Virginia Tech uh, from Union Park. So that'll be a good one coming up here with um, Griffin Hassel on the mound. Did not start this weekend, but he will start tonight before the Cats start a three-game series Thursday night at West Virginia. We're going to try to get the staples in. I do want to talk – I want to bring up Anthony Davis once again uh, because an article came out about from CBS Sports about him, some other guys staying home when they were in the transfer portal. Could have gone to a Power 5 or Power 6 or a bigger school, but they decided to stick to a mid-major. But there's some actual quotes from Antoine Davis speaking about his situation and his – decision to stay home with Detroit Mercy, some of the thought process as well. Ask us anything is coming up, but uh, my top 10 is just going to have to wait. It's a decent one. It's about making fun a little bit about Texas and Alabama. We might get to it tomorrow, but uh, I do want to get to number one song of the day. Since it is a shortened show, we'll get to that coming up next. Goodbye to you my trusted friend We've known each other since we were nine or ten Together we've climbed hills and trees Learned of love and ABC Skinned our hearts and skinned our knees Goodbye my friend, it's hard to die When all the birds are singing in the sky Some deep, deep lyrics is this the number one song of the day? It is. It is? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, you, yeah. Um, what, who is it? Well, hold on just a moment. Oh. We had joy, we had fun, we had seasons in the sun. But the hills that we climbed were just seasons out of time. 1974, Seasons in the Sun by Terry Jacks. Three weeks. Wow. And number one, yes, it's number one song of the day because we are off at 5.30. Singer-songwriter, record-producer, and environmentalist from the home of Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho, Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. Environmentalist? What? He's an environmentalist. Oh. He, t- he took like a break from music in the 80s or something to fight some big gas companies in Canada or something like that. Oof. And he got like a Lifetime Achievement Award for it. But I did yeah. think it was that interesting to throw in there. However, there's really nothing too interesting about Terry Jacks. <laughs> so I'm just going to jump right to four studio albums. And he is a one-hit wonder. This is his only top 40 ever in the United States. He was a tad bit bigger in Canada. Oh. Like, hold on, sorry. I'm just... By the way, uh, DG's here for yeah, the first hi, time guys. in like two weeks. Hi. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you don't even want to know why here. I was late, but that's fine. Doesn't this seem like a 1967 song, other than 74? Right up until the point that you realize that Nirvana did a cover of it in 93. No. Yeah. Well, way to, uh, sorry. Spoiler, my my conclusion to number one song of the day. Nirvana released it in, (laughs) well, it was released in 04. Cut in 93. Anyway. Uh, I was actually looking for another remake version of it that I recall. And so, came across that little tidbit, so sorry for so spoiling you. Seasons in the Sun is an English-language adaption from a 1961 French song, Les Morabond. In English, it's The Dying Man. 
and it was performed by Belgian singer, songwriter, and poet Jacques Brel. Sure. Now, Jack's, you know, his version, he, after he released his version, he had dinner in Brussels with Jacques Brel, and Brel told him what the song was really about. It's about an old man who was dying of a broken heart because his best friend was hooking up with his wife. Oh, my God. And Jack said uh, that what Brell told him is he actually wrote this in a, uh, I don't want to say the word, but it's a blank house in Tangier, Morocco, uh, where you might find a few prostitutes. Yeah. Man. House of the Rising Sun, in other words. Yet the thing is, though, nobody knows exactly what the House of the Rising Sun, like where that is. <laughs> Nolans. Well, that's the theory. But that, that was never Kansas. proven. Uh, that's a former number one song of the day from like three years ago. Now, Jack's version, it's about his good friend developing leukemia, was given six months to live. He was gone in four. Depressing. Yeah, this is a depressing song. Both versions are just, come on, man. Very good friend of his, one of his best friends. Damn. He's like, I remember hearing about this song, so I'm going to write in his honor. There's technically a cover. Now, when this song was originally written by Jax, he was not going to perform it. <laughs> like, record it and perform it because he had some buddies in the music industry that thought it would be better for them. <laughs> the Beach Boys. Whoa! The Beach Boys ended up recording it. However, you know, you've probably heard of this guy by the name of Brian Wilson. No. You know, he, he kind of was their producer, like the kind of the guy that led the group in making their music. Sure. He wanted to make some tweaks. So he's like, hey, Terry, let me take this home with me. I want to make some changes. Terry's like, no, I'm not. I don't trust you uh, with this song. I don't trust your changes you're going to make. So he would have to take the song home with him every night. Oh, boy. So Mr. Wilson wouldn't touch it. Song was never released. It was never finished. Wow. Wow. Imagine being like. Brian Wilson doesn't know what he's talking about. He's like, hang <laughs> ten your booty through that door. I never want to see you again. You have a beef with the Beach Boys? Good God. And then I was going to say something about, you know, Nirvana covering it. Where he's going to go for, yeah. but, you know. Yeah, what happened? Troy has to try to steal the show every time. Uh, oh, yeah. Try to, try to uh, big league me. Eh, in my own segment. <laughs> so here's the deal. <laughs> Group called Too Much Joy did a remake of it in 1988. Who is that? I've never heard of them. They are, uh, basically, they were an alternative rock group that had a little dabble here and there on alternative radio. That's where, the. that's what remake had me looking up. I was like, who did that when I was in college? And then you And then Nirvana was tucked right underneath I'm it. waiting for Big Steve's band to redo this song so he can scream through it. Because huh. I think that's all we're missing right now. Antoine Davis comments on him staying at Detroit Mercy. Ask us anything. A short hour two is up next on the game. Stay tuned. Your local news right after these very quick words because it's a legal situation. We are 22 minutes away. Pre-game coverage from Blacksburg, Virginia. The Cats in number three, Virginia Tech from Union Park. It'll be Matt Walters and Chris Brown on the calls. The Cats 
will play that one game against the third-ranked team in the country before they head to Morgantown, West Virginia, and take on the Mountaineers for three games starting on Thursday. The Cats, they flew into Charlotte, North Carolina. I made the request to the SID, who happens to be Chris Brown, that if you've been to games this year, especially in the second half of the year at home, you would have noticed that the uh, K-State faithful, the K-State family, have started doing the Ric Flair woo, and they do it without even hearing it sometimes. It's become a thing. I love everything about it. I, I requested when you get into Charlotte, North Carolina, and you get on the bus, you need to get the team together yeah. and just do one big <laughs> woo. Because that is where Ric Flair is from, boys and girls. Yeah. Charlotte, North Carolina, that is Ric Flair country. Oh, you have to do it. There. And I didn't see anything on social media. Oh. I was like, oh, that was a opportunity oh. wasted. Wow, dropping the ball on that one. Hey, why are they there? What's going on? Was this scheduled? Charlotte? Yeah. That's just this? where they had to fly into. I mean, but, but why are they playing Virginia Tech? Like, what's going on? Uh, one more non-con on the road, boost that RPI before you oh. wrap up Big 12 play. And, I mean, that would be, I'm sure, a boost, but not enough to be a contender for postseason no, play. No, but, but also a help in if that if you had something rained out earlier in the season, then you've got a game already locked in that's a non-con for later that can help Is, you out a little. Was this scheduled a while, like, I don't know when it was scheduled, but it was a part of the original rollout of the schedule. I don't think really anything changed. I see. But, I mean, Virginia Tech is obviously really good. Now, K-State RPI-wise is in the 90s. Mm. So I don't think that would really help that much. I mean, it's going to take K-State to win the Big 12 tournament in Arlington, most likely, to get in. I Mm. think it's very, very, very unlikely, almost impossible to get in without winning the Big 12 tournament. I mean, West Virginia, I think, is sixth right now in the Big 12. So, yeah, they're not in the best spot to really give K-State the biggest boost either. I'm not right. sure where their RPI is, but, I mean, that's kind of a guess on my part. Dang. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think what certainly K-State's looking at is, you know, a big year in, in next year. I mean, they're supposed to have a great recruiting class coming in. Nice. Uh, hopefully uh, some of these seniors that have the potential maybe of uh, – I mean, when it comes to like MLB draft, those kind of things, like guys maybe sticking around for another year. I don't know if Dylan Phillips is coming back, but uh, I think Josh Nikoloff has ran out of um, of uh, eligibility. But uh, some cats certainly should be sticking around. Uh, hopefully, Dom Johnson does. Uh, Kalen Culpepper would be great to keep around as well. Those are two guys that came in this year and have really done great things at the plate in the field. I mean, Culpepper has been fantastic at third base making plays all year long. So, uh, yeah, hopefully next year will be a much bigger year. But Cats coming up at 530. Uh, also, before we get back to uh, to K-State Hoops for here in just a moment, did you guys see that uh, potentially last night we have a new candidate for worst first pitch in Major League yeah. Baseball? Yes, I did. Talk about a yeet. That was a big-time yeet. I still say that the mayor of Cincinnati – who threw it and and he like he he never released it. It just like hit right in front of him and then like it, if we'll have to look it up. I still say that's the worst one, but this one horrible, horrible. I, I would I would add you know Baba Booey, <laughs> yeah. Gary Delabate from the Howard Stern Show threw out a first pitch at Met, or, uh, not MetLife at City Field. It was awful and it was terrible. And then you have 50 Cent who threw out one yeah, that, that went was, wide left. That was the one that um, immediately got all the comparisons last night was 50 <laughs> Cent. But yet none of those left the playing area, yeah. left the field. The one we saw yesterday from 
uh, Steve Aoki, who's like a EDM guy. Sure. I saw him one time at Sirius XM put on a show. Uh, and usually when those you know, artists will come in, not just EDM, but rock stars. I saw Slash put on a show at Sirius XM. Everybody was watching it. Not everybody was watching Steve Aoki. They brought in <laughs> listeners, and those are the only people, and then me, and then somebody else from the Stern Show, another intern. We stuck around and watched, because I just had to watch it, and like all the people are like in a half circle, just kind of like zombies, like just kind of jumping around Weird. in one place. Yeah. It was the weirdest thing to Weird. watch ever when it came to music and people just watching somebody perform. And then he had him come into the DJ uh, booth area, and he crowd surfed. <laughs> on my, on, on like, five people? <laughs> yeah. It was like legit. It was like 16. Wow. It was like 16. You just started crowd surfing. And th- we're talking, this is 1130 in the morning. Oh, my nice. God. He's it like, was hey, so man. weird. <laughs> but anyway, Steve Aoki was at Fenway Park last night. He threw at the first <laughs> pitch, and it sailed above home plate, and it landed on top of the netting <laughs> that does drape over the actual crowd in the first uh <laughs> first couple of sections there behind home plate. Like, it got stuck in the netting up top. It was an impressive throw. I mean, really, like, he kind of launched that thing. And what's even more impressive is he did it on probably some pretty strong molly. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, that's good for him, you know? It if great. it was a birthday cake, it probably goes right down the pipe. Because <laughs> that's his thing, right? He throws yeah. birthday cakes in people's faces. Dude. That Now, that's a great gimmick. That is cool. That's a cool thing to be able to get away with concert after concert. People want cakes <laughs> thrown in their faces, and you get to do it every show. Yeah. That That's cool. He's like, do you got a cake-sized baseball I can throw? Because I am just, man, out of my element with this little thing. He he yachted that thing. It was awesome. Somebody go steal a three-year-old birthday cake. <laughs> Did he? I didn't see it completely. I just know that it got mentioned. Did he throw that from the mound? He threw it actually behind. Yes, from he the was behind from the, the mound, mound, but he was behind the rubber. Yeah. Really? Yeah. And still yeeted it that bad. Yeah. Oof. He launched it. I mean, it was crazy. Now I do know. I've never. I've never gotten the opportunity to do that. Obviously, but I have heard. That it's intimidating how tall the mound is in, a, in an MLB stadium. And people that go do the first pitch, they underestimate just how, f- mm-hmm. how far and how tall the mound is. So they get up there and they're like, oh my God. And so that's why a lot of people, you see a lot of people short on them because they're trying to throw hard. And when you're trying to throw hard, you have a tendency to hold on to the ball too, too long uh, for just a split second. And so that's why it'll bounce in front because you hold on too long. Or you're like Steve Aoki. And you release it. <laughs> you release it. <laughs> Can we like pull it up somewhere and watch? It? I think it's hilarious. Well, you know what, Drum Tang, a couple weekends ago, mm-hmm. KU series, mm-hmm. uh, he threw out the first pitch and uh, he threw it from the rubber, a little high, a little outside, but he got it there. Oh yeah, didn't touch the ground. The catcher caught it. That's all I would want. Like if I'm sure. throwing out a first pitch, as long as it just gets there to the yeah. catcher and it doesn't hit the ground. I think I threw out a successful first pitch. It doesn't need to be a strike right down the middle. <laughs> the best one I ever saw, Will Farrell did one at Wrigley Field, where he, he threw from the stretch, and he kept looking back at first base, and he threw it to first base and hit a guy. And the guy was taking pictures, and like, what were you doing? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, he, he that's to that's a funny. throw yeah. rather than a, a pitch. <laughs> so funny. Oh, he's so funny. That, that would be where Will Farrell, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> in a nutshell. I love it. Uh, well, I, I've to jump now to Antoine Davis. He, he has jumped back in the um, in the headlines, at least when it comes to college basketball. I did like this article earlier today from CBS Sports. 
that brought up a couple of uh, make that three individuals who are from mid majors into the portal was looking at some big opportunities to go up to a much bigger program, and all three decided to go back to their original home. Mm. These mid major programs, one of them, Antoine Davis. Western Kentucky's Jamarian Sharp, and then San Francisco's Khalil Shabazz. They all three decided to go back to their original schools. But I think this is the first time we have actually heard from Antoine Davis and um, heard about his decision. Now, I, I will stand by this. I think this is, in case it was involved in one of the absolute weirdest recruiting stories, I think, to ever take place. Uh where like you know no laws were broken it was you know by the you know by the rule book i guess as far as we know uh but nil was involved decided to stay home at detroit mercy could have gone to k-state maryland georgetown byu no he goes back to detroit mercy like a nobody program has been really struggling since his dad took over four years ago but he's been the absolute star averaging 24 points a game he's the most sought after recruit at least when it comes to guards in the transfer portal but he goes back home we know about the NIL deal. It's this weird glow ball manufacturer and trying to give them 20000 of these things for him to sell. And some of the money is going to him, but also going to his teammates and the athletic program. Yeah, that seems like a weird situation as well, but I, I, I like where his heart's at for sure, sure. sure. As a matter of fact, this quote did come out. He said, quote, I'm trying to give back to my teammates who won't get that opportunity. I like that. Okay, that's cool. All right. That's cool. Yeah, that's great. He continued on to say, though, and he got into when he was visiting these schools, right? He said, the schools I went and visited were all really, really good schools. But I felt like it didn't feel right to not want to win here and in my career here. All right. I get that as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to shake my head at that. Yeah, really sweet. And then, (laughs) to me, it also gets... Maybe not strange. It's just an odd thought. Like, I get where he's coming from, but it's very rare to think like this. He said, quote, and this is Antoine Davis once again. When I went on my visits, seeing the facilities and everything they get, the gear and everything, it can put you in a position to want to go there. But it's not always like if you're in a situation where it's the best situation for you, you don't necessarily need to do that. You can... Make it from anywhere. Being a mid-major player, it may be harder. But use an example here. Robert Covington came from Tennessee State. You can make it from anywhere. You don't look at it like you have to be a high-major player to make it. I feel like a lot of athletes think of when they start at a school, they feel like, They have to go to high majors in order to make it. But NBA scouts and even NFL scouts for football, you're going to get looked at regardless. Being mid-major isn't as bad as what people make it out to be. So after all that, I was like, okay, that's very interesting. He had that thought. I mean, I think it was all said and done. He still wanted to play for his dad. He's doing a great thing for his teammates. Um, To me, yes, guys do make it from mid-majors. But it's not like it's extremely common. As a matter of fact, I I had to look at the 2023 NBA draft prospects. Antoine Davis does not show up. Now, I will say one of the three guys I mentioned earlier does. That's Western Kentucky's uh, Jamarian Sharp, and that's because he's a center who stands seven feet, five inches tall. (laughs) Oh, 
my and he's, God. And he's pretty athletic as far as I understand. Put up some good numbers. <laughs> every time that... Every time somebody de- says that, though, like when they're like, hey, this guy is pretty athletic for 7'5", they can't even run. But it, So if I did this interview, I would want to ask a follow-up question. When it came to playing at the next level, if you give me a percentage, how much did that truly mean to you when it made a decision on where you wanted to go? Because right now you're not projected to go, and I looked at multiple sources you're not projected to go in the NBA draft. Of course, you could make it as an undrafted free agent, but that's clearly on the outside looking in. You want to be a draft pick. You want to sign a contract. What is that possibility of making it? It's going to be tough if you want to be an NBA guy. But that was a big quote he he listed there, or he, he said. There was a lot of talk about NBA. He feels like guys are going to come watch him, and I'm sure they have, but he's not an NBA draft pick right now. No. And... The NFL is a different story, in my opinion, because you have a league that's just barely bigger than the NBA, but of course you have many more guys in the NFL will will get a shot than guys in the NBA. Many, many more. That's obviously a shorter roster than what the NFL has. And so I, I appreciate his heart, and I appreciate where he, he does come from, where it comes to he, he's a Detroit guy through and through. Uh, he's a Southern guy, but it, when it comes to his college, Detroit guy. But I, did he really take those thoughts seriously when it came to the NBA? He's going to show up, but he's in a terrible league, and he plays for a terrible team. He does put up great numbers, but I still don't think he's that amazing of a defender. He can score the basketball. That's. I think it's interesting that he that he brought up Robert Covington of all people. Robert Covington is six seven. He's got a seven two wingspan. Robert Covington. Uh, was an all uh, NBA all defensive first team uh, like three years four years ago. That's what he. That's what Robert Covington brings to an NBA squad. Is he's long and he's athletic and he can guard power forwards and he can he can guard centers as well. He can go out and guard them, and that's who he is. That's not who Antoine Davis is. That that's not what he is. Well, and don't get me wrong. Like I praised him so much. I wanted him to become a Wildcat. We saw the scoring, what he could do shooting the basketball. That's great. And I think right. he would have been a great addition to K-State. Yes. But also he would still have to play against guys in the Big 12. The some of the best players you're going to play against draft picks. And you're going to play against guys that are going to go in the lottery. Mm-hmm. And that you're going to definitely take a next step up. And not just the Big 12. I mean, potentially playing in the Big 10. That would have been big. Uh, you know, playing against Gonzaga if you're if you're going to BYU, there's not as much talent over there, of course, in the West Coast Conference. But there would have been a better opportunity to raise his stock if he did not stay at Absolutely. Detroit Mercy. One of the things that stands out about it is you bring up the caliber of opponent. Not only would he have to play against those opponents, he would have to learn how to defend against those opponents. He would have to learn how to actually, you know, defend against those guys, which could be a liability for a guy that's averaging 24 points per game. There are a lot of guys out there that can score and may not be the best defensively and have to rely on their teammates to pick them up defensively. And who says he was ready for that spot? With anybody uh, up the up the line, that's a great I mean, point. we you you know that coaches would be on him immediately about the defensive side of the ball more so than offensive. If he came to K State, had one amazing year. I mean, there's, I mean, in my opinion, sure. I don't know if he. I, I mean, I'm not smart enough to tell. You, yeah, he would have been a draft pick, no doubt about that. But I think it would definitely 
no doubt about it, improved his chances. Now, it sounds like I'm bitter. Now, I mean, this is also after the fact. You know, he has said these things. I don't know if I even – when he was being recruited like by K-State, I wasn't thinking to myself, you know, oh, this is automatically going to be a draft pick guy. I just kind of assumed he would be in the conversation because of the tremendous career he's had at Detroit Mercy. I'll be honest with you, I was a little surprised to see that going to multiple websites that have already picked out draft picks for 2023 that he's not even on the radar. Right. So, it, I mean, it tells me that, you know, how much that has to do with where he plays and the kind of league he plays in, the town he plays against – and maybe considering 24 points against the teams he plays against, maybe it's not that impressive. To me, it's still impressive, but maybe not NBA impressive. One one of the things that was amazing to watch was when Damian Lillard was playing collegiately, and the number of guys that would come into Portland, Denver, uh, you know, the, the, the locales that they could get to easy regarding NBA scouts. Right. Denver was was the easy one because they could get in then up up to UNC in 45 minutes. Uh, Portland, because Portland State is right there. Uh, since he's in Detroit, scouts are seeing him. People are seeing him. There's no doubt about that, that he's being scouted by the NBA guys and probably quite a lot because of the convenience of being able to go in and watch him on a one-off or a two-off if need be. But... If he's not even being mentioned in draft lists already for next year, uh, people aren't fully sold on what he's accomplished. All right. Man, I'm bitter. Dude, I'm bitter. I hate you drug it out all this time to go back to Detroit Mercy. I mean, Damian Lillard is 6'2". You know what I mean? Like this, this, I hate to harp on it because I like the guy and I wanted him at K-State, but he's, he, man, God dang it. Get out of here. I'm so mad. I'm bitter. Okay, sorry. Sorry, Mitch. Go ahead. Bitter because he didn't pick K-State? Yeah. I'm bitter because he didn't pick K-State because K-State would have been the best spot for him. If After all this, if you would have picked Maryland, oh, would it be the, even more bitter? Oh, I hated them. I want to send him hate mail from Brandon Peoples' email. All right, let's uh, let's squeeze in a little bit. Ask us anything. Sage will get us out before we head out to Blacksburg, Virginia. There's the music, Earth, Wind, and Fire. DG, what do you have for us this morning? Hey! This morning, this afternoon. From this morning, I'm guessing. <laughs> you have a little Ask a K-Rocker? I do have a little uh, Ask a K-Rocker action. Today, in random holidays, is Pack Rat Day, National Pack Rat Day. Yeah. So what is something that you pack rat, that you know you should get rid of, but you just have a ton of? Me, it's cords, charging cords, HDMI cables, coax cables i have a gas line i don't even know what i'm doing with it okay maybe i don't have the gas line but that's been a running gag uh, in my family for the last 20 plus years so that i've got all the cords you need a charger for the original nokia i have one see i have a ton of koozies but everybody says like you can't have enough koozies if you have people over they're gonna steal them or whatever but i have a, a surplus <laughs> of koozies i also have like just kind of laying around like a bunch of old baseball cards oh i've been yeah. wanting to get rid of them but I, they've just been sitting in a corner yes and I need to do something with them. Yes. Um, also, Sajay, do you have anything that you pack rat a lot? Oh. Candles. Oh, my God. Weird. <laughs> Burn them. Friday the 13th your, there, was... Settles your issue right there. Yeah, right? Was last week. Um, what's bad luck to you? Is there anything where you're like, oh, that's awful. I'm stepping on a crack, break, break your mama's back. So, I used to... Um, I wouldn't shave on K-State game days. Whoa. 
And then I didn't do it one time. And K-State beat Texas. Put an end to that real quick. And uh, in basketball when they were number one in the country. Yeah, and I stopped, sh- I stopped pretending like that was an issue. All right, we got to <laughs> get to Blacksburg, Virginia. K-State baseball is up next. <laughs>